So are there presents under your tree at home? No presents? Have you been a bad boy this year? <laughs> okay, if there are presents under your tree, are there any with your name on it? Have you looked to see if there's any presents with your name on it? You haven't even looked. You're the most uncurious bunch I've ever known. When, Mar when our daughter was about four, her big brother was supposed to be watching her one day. And we came home and Amy was sitting under the Christmas tree. She had unwrapped one of her gifts and she was playing with it. Her big brother was up in his room listening to music. Amy had peaked. I mean, she had really peaked because she had completely unwrapped the gift and was playing with it. We wrapped it back up and put it back under the tree, and she had to wait till Christmas then to play. So sometimes we like to peek and see what's in our presence. You've never done that? You've never... You've never torn off a little piece of the paper so maybe you could see. Oh, you are such good children. Aren't they good? Okay, so peeking at a present. We, we want to know what's in our present, don't we? So what if there was a present under the tree with your name on it and somebody told you you couldn't open it for 33 years? How old would you be when you got to open it? Quick math. How old are you? How old are you? How old would you be in 33 years? 40. Would you like to wait that long to open? No, nobody wants to wait that long to open your gift. But you know, the gift that God gave us on Christmas when he sent Jesus as a baby... Mary wrapped him up in, the Bible says, swaddling clothes. And that present wasn't fully unwrapped for 33 years. People got a peek along the way about what that gift was like. Um, the blind man who got to see because Jesus healed him, he had a peek as to what that present was all about. The man who was was lame for how many years? Was it 18 or 38 years, something like that, that could walk because Jesus healed him? He got a peek as to what that gift was. The man, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out his sword and cut off a man's ear, and Jesus healed him. Those people got a peek about what that gift really was. But it wasn't until Easter morning when Jesus had been, been crucified on the cross and put in the tomb. When people went to the tomb on Easter morning and found the cloths that Jesus had been wrapped in laying there, that the gift was fully unwrapped and Jesus was alive and Jesus had died for our sins so that someday we can go to heaven to be with him. That's why we celebrate Christmas is because on Easter morning, the gift that God gave us that Christmas 
was finally unwrapped and we got to know what it was all about. So we wouldn't celebrate Christmas if we didn't have Easter. So the joy of Christmas is also the joy of Easter because God gave us a gift that someday we can go to heaven and be with him. So when you think about Christmas and gifts that are being unwrapped, remember that the best gift was unwrapped on Easter morning. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for your gift of Jesus on Christmas so long ago. And thank you more for the gift being unwrapped on Easter morning that gives us the chance to be in heaven with you someday. Amen. Our scripture lesson for this morning comes to us from the book of Psalms, chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, I want to start with a little teaching moment because we have all of these rituals and traditions. I, I mentioned during the prayer time about how, you know, each of our families has these traditions that help make it feel like the holiday. Well, in the church, we do the same thing. We have a lot of rituals and symbolism and imagery that we use in the church for this time of year, but they only help you. They only make sense if you know what they mean. So there's something different about today than there has been the other Sundays of Advent. Has anyone picked up on it? Pink candle. Yes, very good. Three of the candles on our wreath are blue. Uh, two years ago, we switched to blue from purple. They're both uh, correct Advent colors. It just is our choice. And I don't know if you noticed, but our carpet's blue. So let's just make it work. Uh each season has a different color. So in the church, we have different seasons. Each season has a different color. And we change these uh, pyramids. This is what these are called. They're called pyramids. Uh, according to the season of the church, does anyone know or remember? And Kim, you're not allowed to say anything. Okay. Uh, what color these were before they were blue? No, I mean, they were like in November. Green, yes. Green is our ordinary time. Uh, they were actually white for one Sunday for Christ the King Sunday, and then they went to blue. So blue is our uh, color for Advent. Does anyone know the liturgical color for Christmas? Be bold. White, yes. White or gold, both of them work. Um, and so... Uh, red and green are the Christmas colors kind of for the season out in the world, but for the church, white and gold is Christmas. So 
the reason I talk about these colors is that pink seems to be significant, right? Uh, and that's because today is called Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is a Latin word, and it really it means rejoice. This is our Sunday to rejoice. It is our Sunday to celebrate the theme of joy. And the liturgical color for joy, apparently, is pink. I don't know why. I was looking it up. I couldn't come up with it. I just think maybe they asked a three-year-old girl, what is the most joyful color? And what would she say? Pink, obviously. So we'll go with that. The third Sunday of Advent is centered on the theme of joy. And particularly the joy that people experienced in hearing the good news of the birth of a Savior of Emmanuel. Emmanuel is our word, which means God with us. Not only that, but the joy that we have within us because of what Christ did throughout his life. And as Margie mentioned in the children's sermon, we wouldn't have Christmas if we didn't have Easter. Part of our joy, part of the reason we celebrate the birth of Christ is because we know what he did with his life and we know what he did with his death, and in particular, his resurrection. So the first two weeks of Advent, the first two candles we light, um, the first is hope because we have hope in this Christ child who came into the world and we have hope in his return. Last week, we talked about Jesus as the Prince of Peace and the Shalom, that kind of complete, full peace that he offered to his disciples and he offers to each one of us. But both of these are things that we do things that we live into, things that we embrace through the choices that we make. But joy is a little different. Joy isn't something that we can force. I can try my best to say, hey, be joyful today, but I can't force you to be joyful. I can't force you to feel that joy within you. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can achieve by what you do or don't do, because joy is a gift. Joy is a byproduct of, of the coming of Christ into the world to be with us. It is something that we receive because God has drawn near. It is not something that you can make happen. It's not something that you can fake. Sometimes we think at this time of year with all the stuff going on that we must be joyful and have Christmas cheer. So we kind of slap on a smile and we think we have to do all of these things in order to feel good inside or that we're doing all that we're supposed to do at Christmas. But joy doesn't actually come from the activities of the season. It doesn't come from the goodies we make, although, gosh, That's almost joy. Biting into some of those Christmas cookies, that's close. But it isn't actually joy. Joy is something deeper. We know that those things don't actually bring us joy. They may bring us happiness, but they don't last. That feeling I get from biting into that cookie is a momentary feeling of happiness. And I will tell you exactly where it ends. And it's when I step on the scale the next morning going, was it worth it? Oh, probably not. Joy, gone. It wasn't joy to begin with, right? That's happiness. Joy is deeper. Joy is something that stays. It lasts beyond the Christmas season because the reason for our joy is something that stays as well. Our joy should be steadfast because the reason we have joy is that God is with us and God is steadfast. At its core, joy is the steadfast assurance 
that God is with us. Have you ever thought about joy in that way? Have you ever thought about where joy comes from? It comes from the knowledge and trust that God is with you each and every day, in every single moment, whether it's a good moment or a bad moment. And I'm going to go off off my little thing right here and, and tell you in the last two days, I've had a lot of these. And you witnessed some of it this morning. I think you can guess where I'm going with this. There is great joy in being a parent. I love my children. They are cute and they are wonderful, but it is hard being a parent. Yesterday, my husband took our boys. I went and and uh, escaped by doing some volunteer work and he took them to the mall and took them to Santa Claus. You think, oh, joy, right? This is going to be cute. I wish I had the picture on the screen for you. Ben is like terrified. He's crying. He's, he's having an absolute meltdown. It's the cutest picture. We tried to go to the Nora store last night because Wayne, you talked about it. I was like, Jason, I really want to do that. That sounds awesome. And so I convinced him that we're going to go. And he goes, are we bringing the boys? And I'm like, yep, it says kid-friendly. No. There's a difference between kid-friendly and having a two-year-old and a baby. We, we made it maybe half an hour before we had to leave. And it was so packed in there. I told him it was like parting the Red Sea, trying to get out with a baby. It was, it was insane. It was wonderful. But with a kid, man, those things don't bring joy. <laughs> it is not joyful in that moment. I don't even know where I was going with this. I lost my train of thought. All I'm saying is that your sense of joy doesn't come from all of these things. Your sense of joy comes from something deeper. It comes from the steadfast knowledge that God is with you in the good times and bad. And that's what it was I was getting back to. In all of these moments, whether things are going well or things are super hard, God is with us as parents. God is with us as people. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter how hard you're trying to manufacture joy in this Christmas season, uh, you got to let go a little bit and let God be your source of joy because that's what's going to be steadfast. That's what's going to be predictable, not your two-year-old's behavior in any given situation. A few weeks ago, I shared the story of Horatio Spafford. How many of you were here for that when I shared his story? He's the author of the hymn, It Is Well. And I shared the story of his life. It was a very difficult life. He lived um, in the late 1800s. He lived at a time uh, he lost his business during the Great Chicago Fire. His family, uh, they decided they were going to go to Europe. And at the last minute, he ended up not traveling with his wife and daughters. And the ship that they were on was struck by another vessel as it was going across the Atlantic and his three daughters perished. And as he was later traveling across the Atlantic to meet up with his wife, over the spot where that ship sank, he wrote the words for, it is well with my soul. I shared how even in the midst of that, he understood that it was well with his soul because he understood the joy of the Lord. That no matter what life threw at him and life threw everything at this man, God was with him. His joy came from the assurance that God was with him and gave him grace that he knew he didn't deserve. And that joy did not come and go depending on the day, depending on the moment, depending on how things were going on around him. The joy remained because God's love and mercy remains. 
no matter your circumstances. In Psalm 30, which is what we heard this morning, the psalmist writes, Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You know, there's a song that we do at camp uh, called Trading My Sorrows. Does anybody know this song? Alex, why don't you come up here? I was going to catch you before the service, but I didn't do that, so now I'm going to do it now. Alex is going to be my assistant. Can you believe I lost my guitar pick again? Alex, you know the actions to this song, right? Just make it up. They won't know. We're going to have a little joy this morning. I, For a long time, I was a camp counselor, and so this is the kind of stuff. This is the reason I play guitar, and this is the level at which I really play my guitar. And so I, if you know it, I didn't put the words up there because I didn't. That's all right, right? You know it. Embrace the joy within Alex. <laughs> he keeps begging me that he wants to come up and, and help with service. So this is your shot. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. We say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Amen. I am pressed but not crossed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse for his promise will endure. That his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. You can join him in on this part. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Let's do it one more time, and I want to hear everybody. We say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Very nice. Everyone give Alex a round of applause. Both the psalm in Psalm 30 and that song. Did you notice that the bridge of that song came directly out of there? Though the sorrow may last for the night, the joy comes with the morning. That song is directly from that psalm. 
both of them talk about surrendering to God and out of surrender comes joy. In order to embrace the gift of joy that we have been given by God through Jesus Christ, we must first surrender ourselves to God and especially surrender our sorrow, our pain, our sickness, and our shame. These are things that we carry with us every single day, but God is asking us to give it to him. Make the trade. I'm trading my sorrows, right? God is saying, you give me all of this heavy burdens that you carry, and I'm going to give you joy. It's a pretty good deal on our end, don't you think? If we look to the Christmas story, the first promise of joy that we see is in the story of Zechariah. How many of you remember Zachariah in the Christmas story? Not the movie, the Christmas story, the actual gospel Christmas story. Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth, were an older couple and they couldn't conceive. And an angel comes to them and says that you're going to, that Elizabeth is going to become pregnant and bear a son. Uh, how do you think Zachariah took that news? Was he like, cool. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. That's going to happen. Even though he knows Abraham and Sarah's story, I just want to point this out. He's a Jew. He knows that God is capable of this, but still he's just like, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. And so this angel of the Lord visits them and the angel says, you, Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness. And he responded with disbelief. And because of that disbelief, Zachariah was unable to speak until his child was born. He becomes mute and is forced into silence. And it seems to me like a weird punishment. You don't believe this crazy thing that God is going to do. Guess what? You don't get to talk at all. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But in, in the book, Almost Christmas, that this series is based off of, the preacher Matt Rawl suggests that it is the very silence that Zachariah that is imposed upon him that allows him to experience the joy that God is giving him through this child. It is because he no longer can speak. It's because he has to slow down and he has to listen because if you can't talk, guess what you get to do? You get to listen. That Zachariah begins to understand what God is doing and the joy that God is bringing. And his child, by the way, does anyone know who his child becomes? John the Baptist. This is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, and Mary actually came to visit Elizabeth and Zachariah while she was pregnant. And it says that the womb in Elizabeth, or the womb, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy when she, when he is in the presence of Jesus. Even in the womb, John knows this baby is, is something special. Joy is a gift that can only happen through surrender. Zachariah had to surrender his voice before he could accept the gift of joy. And I think the only way that we can truly accept the gift of joy that God is giving us is through surrender. It is through slowing down. It is through letting the presence of God become apparent in your life. So many people at this time of year, are running around frantically, trying to get to every single thing. Last week, there were three Christmas concerts, three different nights. I mean, that just takes up your week right there. 
I mean, there's so many things happening, so many good things that we try to get to, that we try to do. And we're trying to make all the cookies and we're trying to make sure that we get all the presents and everything wrapped. And somehow we're trying to do all of this without going insane. And some of us do a better job than others. The month of December has become a marathon of Christmas-related things. And everyone is just on the go. They're on the go constantly. But when we're constantly moving, it's hard to experience the presence of God. We're easily distracted. Uh, It's hard to be assured that God is with us, and it's hard then to have joy. Even though this is the season where we should be the most joyful, it's actually hardest because of how busy we are. If you want a joy that lasts beyond the Christmas season, you must take time to slow down. And I know it's hard, but you have to maybe let go. You have to surrender some things in order to embrace what is really needed now, which is God's presence in your life. Remember in Zechariah's silence, he was able to surrender to God who had come into his life and he was able to accept the gift of that child, of John the Baptist, who ended up changing the world because John pointed to Jesus. Another way to think about joy is is to talk about it as a flash of eternity. Think back for a moment on times in your life where you were filled with joy. That deep down joy that comes from somewhere that life really doesn't seem to touch. Most often when we experience those moments of joy, they come at a time that we least expect it to come. And they often come in everyday moments. Times that I am filled with the most joy are times when I am truly present with God and truly present in the moment. I'm not worried about what's going on around me. I'm just, whatever I'm doing, I'm just fully 100% right there. It's in those moments. Sometimes I used to call it kind of being in the zone. But it is in those moments of joy that we forget ourselves and we just, we just are. We just let ourselves be. The times lately that I am filled with the most joy is when I'm sitting on the living room floor. And Ethan has got this belly laugh that is just the cutest thing ever. And Ben is in this stage where he likes to make up games. And then instead of just playing it once, you play it about 50 times. And it's the silliest things. Like he'll take a ring of um, like te- a teething necklace and put it on his head and then shake it and it falls off. And then you got to put it back on his head. And, he sh- and we'll do that like 50 times in a row. But I get so absorbed in the moment because there's such joy there. And I don't care about the way my house looks. I don't care about that the dishes aren't done. In that moment, I am absorbed with the joy of my children. That's what joy is. That's the moment. They're so cute. But those moments stick with you. Those are the experiences that stay in your heart and in your soul. And those are the times that give you strength and courage when it is hard, when life can be hard. It's appropriate for us to celebrate joy at Christmas because joy is the steadfast assurance that God is with us. And what is the greatest, the greatest gift that God ever gave us is in Jesus Christ. The greatest gift, the greatest piece of joy that we have is 
Jesus Christ is that baby in a manger. That is the manifestation of God with us. And that is the manifestation of our joy. As we gaze upon the Christ child lying in a manger, we are gazing upon the physical manifestation of God. In Christ, joy now has hands that will be outstretched to bless you, to comfort you, to welcome you. These hands will also be outstretched and nailed on the cross because we wanted joy on our own shallow and selfish terms. Joy now has feet that will walk with flawed disciples, feet that will be washed with tears, feet that will traverse into Samaritan land, and these feet will also be bound together in an attempt to stop the scandalous work of God's grace, justice, and forgiveness. The presence of God now has a body, and that body will hunger and thirst and heal and feed. This is the body that will be crucified and raised. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, this body will defy time to become you and I gathered together as the body of Christ. In previous weeks, I have suggested that we must not only embrace the themes of Advent, we must become the themes of Advent. We must be the source of hope for the hopeless. We must be peacemakers in a time of great strife. And we must be joy for others. We must help them to know and experience and be assured that God is with them, that God is with you every step of life's journey. Whatever you may face in this life, it is not bigger than your God. Whatever you are dealing with, it is not more powerful than the God that we worship. So may you not only embrace the gift of joy in your own life and embrace it by slowing down and looking for God, but may you offer that joy to those around you. Amen.